Good morning. Welcome to Forest Hill. We're glad you've chosen to join to worship with us today. Um, we, we miss you terribly. Pastor and I can't wait to see you. We can't wait to gather back together in our building for a time of worship and get to see our family again. For those of you who have joined here uh, online with us during this season, we would love to meet you in person. Once things get back to normal and we're able to gather on our property together, again. In the meantime, there's a digital connect card that has been added to the website and on there you'll find a place you can uh, give us a prayer, your prayer request so that we can pray for you. Uh, you can request more information and we can reach out to you and give you that information. Um, check us out there. Uh, it's on the website and it also will be dropped in the links in the comments below during the service. Um, if you would take a moment and like this post, share it uh, with your friends on your page, and uh, tag a friend who you might want to remind to watch and enjoy the worship service with you today. Um, if you would take a moment with me, let's begin with Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Aren't you thankful today that we have redemption? We have the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus. Would you take a moment and let's just thank him for that as we begin our morning worship service. Father, we come before you now. And Lord, we do thank you. We thank you today that you have rescued us from sin. Lord, we are reminded today of your great love. Lord, and the sacrifice that you make for us. Lord, we don't take it lightly as we join with people all over the country, all over the world today to lift up your name, to exalt your name. Lord, we may not be in the space that we would like to be in today, Lord, but we are in your presence no matter where we are and we are thankful for that Lord. we're thankful that we have access to you lord today to lift up our needs lord to come before a loving father lord who reaches out to us when we need comfort lord in our time of just distress lord when we need a calm in a time of anxiety lord when we need peace in a season of fear lord you are there Lord, I pray today for that person, Lord, who has watched for weeks, Lord, who maybe drifted away from you. God, I pray today, Lord, that their heart, Lord, would turn back to you. And God, that you would just reach out to them in the most loving and tender way. And God, that connections would be made and relationship with you today would be restored. Father, I pray, God, that you would touch our people. God, I pray that you would give them strength sustain them through the remainder of this season, Lord, and may we be able to gather back in your, in your house together again um, very soon, God. God, we pray that you would join, uh, as we join today in worship, Lord, that you would meet us in our homes, meet us where we are, come to us, Lord, today in our living rooms, Lord, and touch our hearts today as we lift up your name and we thank you for salvation. We thank you for your grace. We thank you today for your mercy on our lives. Lord, we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join us today and Chad and his team as they lead us in worship. Good morning. Welcome to church Sunday morning one more time. How many know the devil is defeated? And Jesus Christ has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And no matter what you're going through today, He can help you face it. We're going to tell Him, no devil, not today. Come on, let's sing it. Sing the night. 
restoration, the one who gives salvation. your prayer that you would ask the Lord to come in his glory to come in his power and to revive you to revive his church to revive his people to revive our families to revive our city to revive our country come on can you do that right now just wherever you are come on just begin to ask the Lord say revive us Jesus revive us Holy Ghost Lord, we submit to you. We submit to your authority. We submit to your lordship. And we come to you humbly today, Father. Lord, we know that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And today I just want to encourage you, church, saints of God. I want to encourage those that also may be searching who have not found their way to the cross yet or maybe you feel like you've messed up one too many times you know there's a scripture it's found in Psalm 51 and so many of us are familiar with it but it says in one translation it says a broken and contrite spirit you will not despise and before that it says that what the Lord is looking for is not sacrifices on an altar that is physical necessarily. No more. He's not looking for the blood of a, of a lamb, a physical sacrifice. What he's looking for is the condition of your heart today. And I love what the Passion Translation says of this same verse. It says, for the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer to you. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. You will not despise my tenderness as I humbly bow at your feet. And so, today I just want you to take inventory of your heart and know that he is waiting, he's willing, and would you join us as we sing this next song of worship, this prayer to the Lord, as we ask him to meet us one more time, as we ask him to meet us right here, to examine our hearts and to meet us here again. Listen to this. I can't go back to the beginning. I can't. 
control what tomorrow will bring. But I know here in the middle is the place where you promised to be. Come on, let's sing this together. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Come on, tell him, say. Because all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? sing this as I walk as I walk now through the valley let your love rise above everything like the sun shaping the shadow in my weakness in my weakness your glory appears Not enough. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? All I want, cause all I want, is all you are, is all you are. Will you meet me here again? Come on, sing that again. Say I'm not enough. Not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want, cause all I want, it's all you are. Will you meet me here
one more time. Can you sing that to the Lord? Say, I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you time right now to worship you because you're good oh we love you Lord we give our best give our best to you together say I'm not enough I'm not enough unless unless you
Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in and worshiping with us this morning. Thank you, Pastor Chad and team. That was an awesome worship set. We're excited to get back to that. But guys, real quick, we just want to encourage you that no matter where you are today and what you're going through, we want you to feel comfortable to reach out to any pastor on staff, and we want to be there for you and pray with you for your needs. Um, no matter what you're dealing with or what you're going through, feel free. You can drop those in the comment section below or just DM one of us personally, and we will pray with you and believe with you uh, for you to come through. Let me just remind you this. It's a passage of Scripture. It's in Psalms 3, verse 3, and it says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. He still protects us, and He will still give us peace and hope despite of anything going on in our circumstances. Pastor Austin is going to lead us into prayer before we go back into worship. Pastor Austin? Good morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. And again, if you haven't dropped your prayer request in the comment section just yet, go ahead and do that, and let's agree in prayer this morning. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity once again, God, to worship you, even if it is from our homes. Father, let us not take that for granted or take it lightly because the same God that we worship here in this building at church is the same one that we can worship in our homes. And so, Lord, we just call out to you today knowing that you are our shield and that you are our defender. God, that any need that we may be facing today, any issue that may be on the hearts of somebody watching this morning, uh, God, you are able to meet that need. And God, that you are able to touch them right where they are. So God, we just agree with them in, in prayer. And God, your word says that if any two or three agree on one thing, it is done. And so Lord, we agree over whatever we're facing today. God, we're believing for you to meet needs and to touch hearts today. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. Now, let's join with Pastor Chad as they lead us in worship once again.
Well, good morning, Forest Hill family. What a beautiful song our praise team just led us in. I don't know about you, but that song entitled The Blessing has really been a blessing to our family during this season. If you've been attending our Lighted Up Mobile events, you've probably noticed that it's been included in the set list nearly every night. Uh, it's a great song, and I hope it's blessed your heart like it's blessed mine. While that song is burning in our heart today, about just asking God for His favor and His grace to shine in our land, I want to invite you to pray with me for our community, to pray for our country and for our world, and just to invite God's blessing during this season in when it's most needed in our world. Would you bow your heart and pray with me? Father, in the strong name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, Lord, we bless you and we thank you that, Lord, you have commanded your favor on our lives. Father, we thank you that we, though undeserving, have been the glad recipients of the grace of God. Lord, we do pray, Lord, your blessing, your favor, your face, that it would shine on our land during this hour and this season. Lord, we pray that you would bless those today who are on the front lines of the battle, our healthcare workers who are fighting, uh, Lord, with all their might to help keep alive those that are struggling with this sickness. We pray, God, for those that are in harm's way today, those that are most vulnerable, our elderly, and those whose immune systems are compromised, that, God, you would bless and strengthen them. Lord, we pray today for your blessing on our government leaders as they seek to guide us well through this time. We pray for those who've been affected by business closures or unemployment during this season, that they would find you to be their provider as well as their protector. Lord, we ask you that you would keep all of our hearts and minds fixed on you, that you would meet every need, and that you would once again let us see your hand at work. We pray again for a quick end to this uh, sickness and disease, and Lord, for us to be able to return to your house soon and to get back to the business of advancing your kingdom. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. What a great song, The Blessing. Download that one, add it to your playlist. It's a, a great encouragement during this season. Well, this morning I would like to remind you, don't forget, if you haven't done it already, to like the post, share this post on your own Facebook page, and then tag someone in the comments below that you would like to invite uh, to watch along with you today. Don't forget about that. If you're part of our Forest Hill family, I want to remind you, uh, we're thankful for your faithful giving and support during this time. And if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube, you can see the link below to the Engage Giving page. And thank you for helping us in that way. If you're joining us as a guest, something new that we've added to our website this week is called a Digital Connect Card. And if you've been joining us, maybe for the first time today, maybe you've encountered us online the last few weeks, we would love to get to know you better. Fill out that Digital Connect Card so that we can reach out to you. Someone from our pastoral staff would love to connect with you and tell you more about our church, find out more about your story, to pray with you, to give you some resources to help you in your walk with God. Reach out to us on our website, forestillcog.org, and you'll find it there. Finally, I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Isaiah 6 this morning. If you're using a device or your phone and the Bible app, the Uversion app there, you can search for live events and find Forest Hill COG there, and you will be able to follow along with the notes as well as the text of today's sermon. Isaiah 6 is our passage. As you're finding your way there, I greet you this morning, this third week of Easter, in the name of our risen Lord. Christ is risen. Yes, He is risen indeed. I'm grateful for that today. Isaiah 6, hope you're finding your way there. I want to remind you this morning of a great story that I heard a few years back. It may be apocryphal, but it's pointed nonetheless. The story was two battleships that were assigned to a training squadron had been on sea maneuvers out in the middle of the ocean off the coast of California. It was about the second night and heavy fog fell around them. So the captain decided it was probably best for him to stay on the bridge that night. Shortly after dark, the lookout signaled the captain and said, Light bearing on the starboard bow. Sure enough, the captain saw the light and replied and asked, he said, Is it steady or moving astern? Which meant, and the lookout replied, Steady, captain, it's not moving. Well, that was bad news because that meant that whatever this was was on a collision course with the battleship. It was dead ahead and it wasn't altering direction. The captain called to the signal man and said, Signal that ship. You are on a collision course. Advise you alter your course 20 degrees. They waited and a moment later back came the answering signal from a little light blinking ahead of them. Advisable, you change your course 20 degrees. 
The captain, a little bit perturbed, said, Send another message. I am a senior captain. Change your course 20 degrees. The blinking light answered back, I am a seaman second class. Change your course 20 degrees. By this time, the officer was furious. He spat out, We are a battleship squadron. Change your course 20 degrees. The little blinking light answered back for the last time, I am a lighthouse. Sometimes in life, there are these moments when reality comes breaking in on us and we realize that we've been looking at it all wrong and our perspective gets shifted about 20 degrees to the next direction. That is the kind of encounter that the man in our passage this morning had when he ran into the living God in the temple one day and the story is found in Isaiah 6. Isaiah the prophet, who's also a priest, is the key figure in this story and we pick up his story in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah 6 verse 1 simply begins with these words, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Wow, what a great descriptor. King Uzziah had been a pivotal king in Judah's history. And in 736, when he died, it brought great uncertainty about the future into Isaiah's heart. He had no clue what would happen next, if the next king would be able to handle matters. And what made things worse was there was the great threat of this powerful nation, Assyria, looming on the horizon. And so there was great anxiety in the kingdom. The king's death filled, filled Isaiah's heart with anxiety and worry about the future. And that's when he came into God's temple. It's probably why he came into God's temple. Isaiah probably came to church to pray, to pray for his nation, to pray about his own grief, and to ask God for his help and his intervention. Isaiah gave us a good example, didn't he? Whenever we're facing trouble, go to church and seek God's face in prayer. That's a good example. Right in the middle of his grief, as he stands in Solomon's temple, as he's done countless times before, something happened to Isaiah this time, though, that can only be described as devastating. Here he is, and Isaiah goes to church, and what would happen? But God shows up as church as well. You know, I love it when that happens. But sometimes it's very scary and frightening for us when God's presence actually shows up on the scene and we get more than we bargained for. So the first thing that happens here was Isaiah. He encountered God's presence. Say that with me. He encountered God's presence. Read these first four, first four verses together with me. Look at Isaiah 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah had entered Solomon's temple many times before this day but he'd only seen human worshipers and a few human priests. He smelled the burning of incense and heard the bleeding of sheep. It all seemed pretty commonplace until today. But on this day, when Isaiah entered the temple of God, God violently ripped away the veil that separated time and eternity, this earth and the heavenly unseen realm. It was like reality had broken in on him all of a sudden. Isaiah's tiny wooden ship crashed against the rock, and that rock was God Himself. Isaiah was wrecked. He cries out, Woe is me, I am undone. Everything else melted away, and he was inescapably captured in the immediate presence of the Holy One. And in that moment, he forgot all about Uzziah. He forgot about the kingdom of Judah. He forgot about the nation of Assyria. Nothing else mattered in that moment when he was caught up in the grip of the glory of God. He realized he had bigger problems at hand than a dead king or a dangerous enemy. Like Isaiah, we've got bigger issues than our current crisis, though we may not be aware of it. 
In fact, God often uses crises like the one we're experiencing now to shake us violently awake back to reality. It's often God's way of saying, change your course 20 degrees. I am a lighthouse. And so God shouts back at us. There's a greater reality in our lives and in our world than just the COVID-19 crisis or the threat of global pandemic. There's something bigger looming ahead of us than the possibility of an economic collapse or even the upcoming coming election cycle that many of us are worried about. More terrifying by far is the reality of the spiritual battle raging all around us. Our world is on a collision course and most people are sound asleep. When Isaiah encountered the living God, his spiritual eyes were opened and he saw several things in this, in this encounter. Number one, notice this, he saw an occupied throne. That's right, when he saw the throne in Jerusalem, it was empty. But when he saw the throne in heaven, it was occupied. God was still on the throne. Uh, Psalm 97 verse 1 says, The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice. That has become sort of a war cry for us here at the hill. That little phrase, the Lord reigns. We often greet one another with that. Jesus still sits on the throne of the universe. God the Father has crowned him King of kings and Lord of lords. As theologian, Abraham Cooper brilliantly wrote, There is not one square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is Lord, does not exclaim, Mine. It all belongs to Him. He is the absolute authority over it. The world is not a driverless chariot and history is not spiraling out of control, although you may feel like it is if you've watched too much news this week. The fate of our nation, the fate of our world, the fate of your family and your own life is not in the hands of a virus or the World Health Organization, not in the hands of a president, a governor, or a mayor. It is in the hands of the Holy One of Israel. From Genesis to Isaiah to Revelation, we find over and over, God is on the throne. And not for one moment has He ever abdicated that position. So I greet you today. The Lord reigns. He indeed reigns. And that's our battle cry. Isaiah saw an occupied throne and secondly saw an omnipotent king. The Bible says that he saw the king seated on the throne and his, the train of his robe filled the temple. That's a beautiful description. According to scholars, Solomon's temple was 50 feet high. That means the building Isaiah was standing in was three stories tall. And yet in spite of the enormous size of that building, the very hem of God's robe alone filled the whole structure. It was a big building, but God was bigger still. And Isaiah was reminded of the enormity and the power of his God. Another interesting thing of, to think about when we talk about the robe or the train of the robe of the king was this neat little historical fact. Whenever a king would go into battle against another king and defeat him, he would cut off the train of that king's robe and sew it onto the bottom of his own robe. And so the longer the king's train was, the longer the train of his garment, that meant the more enemies he had defeated, the more battles he had won. And so when Isaiah sees God, he sees that the train of his robe is enough to fill the temple itself. In other words, God is victorious. He He's won victories over all his enemies. It fills up the 9,000 square foot temple of Solomon. Our God has never lost a battle. No wonder Psalm 68.1 says, Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. God is victorious. He is an omnipotent king. The third thing Isaiah saw was an overwhelming glory. Not only the temple uh, where the throne is, and the throne is occupied, and the temple is filled with God's, uh, God's victory, but then he sees above God is flying these seraphim, these angelic beings, and they're circling the throne. And Uzziah had seen the king's palace before, and the king had human attendants standing beside him to defend him. But when Isaiah sees the Lord's throne, it's very different. He has angelic attendants standing there in His presence. If you've ever looked at ancient artwork, the pagan gods around Israel often depicted their gods with seraphim standing around them to guard or protect the deity that people came to worship. However, you would see their, 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 their wings stretched out to protect the God that they were there to defend. But when you see this passage, it's very different, isn't it? The angels here don't have their wings spread out over God's throne to protect God. 
No, these angels have their wings covering their own faces to protect themselves from the brightness of God's glory. This God doesn't need anyone to defend Him. In fact, not even the purest angelic hosts can look on Him without shielding their eyes. When Isaiah saw them, he's overwhelmed by this overwhelming glory. Finally, he saw an otherworldly holiness. Notice what the angel cries. The angel could have cried many things, but notice the words that he says over and over. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. The most striking feature that Isaiah noticed about God that day was not His power or His immensity or His wisdom. It was not just His glory or His, his omnipotence, his, his, his majesty, His resplendent beauty. It was none of those things. The thing that overwhelmed him was his purity. It was the holiness of God, his moral otherness. The angels don't cry mighty or glorious or victorious. They cry, holy is the Lord. And that's the part of the vision that knocked Isaiah flat on his face before the throne of God. In verse 5, he cries out, Woe is me, I am undone. I'm ruined. Woe was the word for a curse. He basically says, this is it. The judgment has come and I'm caught up inescapably in the presence of God. Woe is me because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts, the King. Habakkuk 1.13 reminds us that God is of purer eyes than to look upon sin and He cannot gaze upon wickedness. And so in this, he had this encounter with God's presence, but very quickly he realized he needed to have an experience of God's cleansing. And that's the second thing that happens in the passage. He experiences God's cleansing. The moment that Isaiah saw God clearly, he also saw himself most clearly. I'm a man of unclean lips. Jesus tells us from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. One preacher said the mouth leaks. Either way, it's the truth. Whatever is in our heart will end up on our lips, and our lips become a good indicator of the condition of our soul. Before this encounter, uh, Isaiah probably considered himself a pretty good fella. By the standards of his day, he was probably one of the best men around. And he was easy to convince himself that he measured up to God's standard. But when he encountered God's burning holiness, that illusion was ripped away from him. And he cries out, I am undone. He was like Simon Peter in the boat when he saw Jesus that day. And he cries out, depart from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Well, here we are. And the Bible says that God, instead of making Isaiah depart from him, or instead of bringing judgment down on Isaiah, God has a different idea. God is going to cleanse Isaiah so he can stand in God's presence and become God's servant. So verse 6 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having a live coal which he had taken with tongs off the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. My Hebrew professor was a man named John Oswald. He's a dear, dear uh, scholar and theologian. And he wrote a great commentary on the book of Isaiah. And in it he points out an interesting passage, part about the passage. The Bible says the angel took the coal from the altar. But it doesn't say which altar. And if you remember, there are two altars in the temple area. One is the altar of incense, which is inside, and it represented the prayers and worship of God's people. But there's another altar out front, and it was the, the brazen altar. It's where they offered the sacrifice for sin. And it's interesting to wonder which altar did this coal come from. Dr. Oswald, he says, I suspect it came from the one out front, the brazen altar, because that is where the sacrifice for sin was offered. And that's the only way to deal with our sin, is the sacrifice of the lamb that is laid there for our forgiveness. He suspects that this was a burning piece of lamb's flesh that the angel took with tongs and laid on Isaiah's lips. The truth is we're powerless to cleanse our own hearts, but Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, sacrificed on the altar of the cross, died for us so that our hearts could be cleansed and our sins forgiven and our spirits purified from the effect of sin. 
This is the true test of any encounter with God, any so-called encounter we have in worship. If it doesn't change our hearts, it's not really worship. It's just emotion. But in this case, it was the genuine article. Isaiah's heart gets changed. The problem with so many churches today is that we draw a crowd, but God's not in the crowd. He's not in the house. We can sit in church week after week, year after year, and hold on to our sin. And something's not right when that is the case. Jesus warned us in Matthew 7, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and done many mighty works? In your name we've cast out demons and and done wonders. And he says, I will declare to them, depart from me, I never knew you. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Jesus is pointing out what we find in this passage as well. It doesn't matter what we felt. It doesn't matter what kind of physical manifestation we experienced. It doesn't matter who laid hands on us or if we received a word or not or even if we were the one giving the word. If what we got didn't change our heart and transform our character, it was not an encounter with God. The good news of the gospel is that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the living God can touch your life with a burning piece of lamb's flesh today. He can apply the work of the cross to your heart and life and God's cleansing fire can purify your lips and change your heart forever. Don't settle for tears or goosebumps or a tingle. Press into God's presence. Lay hold of the cross. Pray your way through to a purifying experience, to a clean heart. Let God sanctify you. He encountered God's presence and he uh, experienced God's cleansing, but finally he enlisted in God's service. Don't miss this. This is the other proof that his encounter with God was a genuine encounter. He says in verse 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. This proved that he had really had an encounter with the living God. You know, God doesn't bless us with divine encounters and mighty spiritual experiences just so we can bask in the glow of them. He doesn't do it just so we can enjoy His presence. Once Isaiah got his heart right, he could hear God's voice calling him to go serve in the king's kingdom. If you really want to know God's purpose for your life, if you really want to experience that, then you have to let go of your sin. You have to stop playing games and make a full surrender of your heart to God like Isaiah did. Then you'll be able to hear God's voice and you'll know God's direction because you are surrendered to Him. But God has no interest in revealing His plan or giving directions to people who He already knows have no intention of obeying Him or following His voice. So we have to fix that first. But when we have an encounter with God and our hearts become clean, we immediately hear His call. We get the invitation to join Him in what He's doing in the world and to step up and serve. When the Spirit fills our lives, it gives purity of heart, but it also gives power for witness and service. Pastor, what does all this have to do with a series on the kingdom of God? Well, until you have an encounter with the king, you'll never be part of the kingdom. And that's what it has to do with the kingdom of God. The problem with many of us today is simply this. Until God comes violently crashing into our lives and reveals Himself to us, we tend to treat Jesus like an add-on to our lives. We pursue the same things that our lost neighbors pursue. We seek security and money. We find pleasure just from worldly amusement. We tolerate sin in our lives abusive speech and biting words. We harbor bitterness and refuse to forgive. We often live in sexual sin. And then we show up to sing God's praise on Sunday. Isaiah never realized this was true about his life until he got his eyes off Uzziah and got his eyes on the heavenly king. God used the crisis of that day to strip away all of Isaiah's distractions so that he could focus in on his relationship with God. I wonder if God's not doing the same thing for us today. If God is not stripping away distractions, He's slowing us down, He's piece by piece removing all the other things that we might turn to for security or for pleasure or for comfort or for reassurance. God is taking them off the table and He's lifting our eyes and calling us to look back unto Jesus. If you ever have an encounter with God the Holy One, like Isaiah did, if His Spirit ever lays hold of your heart, if you ever come into the grip of His changing power, it will transform everything about your life.
I want to ask you today as we close, have you had an encounter with a living God? A moment when the Holy Spirit ripped back the curtain between this fleeting life, our sandcastle kingdom we're building, and the kingdom of God, the reality that stands behind all the others. A moment when Jesus became so real to you that you were wrecked, you were undone, that you realized that anything less than a life lived for the glory of God was a life wasted. Have you had a discovery of your own sinfulness like Isaiah did? A moment where you bumped into God's holiness and His presence and felt the burden of your own guilt and saw the stain of your own uncleanness. Has that ever happened to you? Have you had an experience of divine cleansing where Jesus purified your heart by His blood shed on the cross? A moment when you not only saw your sinfulness but cried out in despair to God to rescue you, to save you? where you invited God to apply the sacrifice of His own Son supernaturally to your life to purify your sinful heart? Have you ever had a crisis of surrender like Isaiah did, where you offer up your life to Him in service? A moment when you were delivered from the mistaken idea of your own self-sovereignty, when you stopped trying to be the king of your own heart, when you fell down at the feet of the Holy One and acknowledged Him as the ruler and master. The biblical word is the Lord of your life. A moment where, like Isaiah, you offered your future to be used by God for His purposes because you realize His kingdom's the only one that will stand in the end and nothing else will matter when it's all said and done. You see, the first step in the kingdom of God is to meet the King, to acknowledge Him, to surrender your life to Him, to encounter His presence, to experience His cleansing, and to enlist in His service. I want to ask you today, what are the Uzziahs in your life? that God is stripping away during this current crisis? What is God showing you about yourself? Does God have your attention yet? Are there some areas of your relationship with God that need addressing during this season? Do you have a relationship with God by faith in His Son, the Lord Jesus? Have you ever begun that relationship? If not, now's a great time while God has put the world on pause and He has your undivided attention. Get alone with God today and start that conversation. Secondly, call our pastor's number. It's there on the screen, 251-345-1700. Someone would love to pray with you today and introduce you to Christ and help you begin the conversation with God about this relationship. If you've had an encounter like that with the Lord today after this message, I would urge you to check out our website and fill out that digital connect card and let us know that you've trusted Christ or that you've recommitted your life to follow and serve Him. And we'll be back in touch with you to help you live out that decision. Our website is on the screen there as well, forresthillcog.org. You can find us there. Let me pray with you today before we go. Let me ask you, have you ever encountered, truly encountered, King Jesus for yourself. You can if you'll open your heart and invite Him to meet with you today. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before your presence and we thank you for the grace of this hour. We thank you for the chance to sing your praises and to hear your word. Father, I pray today that, Lord, you would touch our hearts. Lord, if there's someone listening today who doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray that today would be the day when your spirit convicts their hearts and convinces them of their need of Christ. Lord, I pray today for those who know you but maybe have some areas of their heart that need to be addressed and corrected, that today would be a moment when they would bow their heart and slow down long enough to get alone with God and, Lord, pray to you in secret until these things are dealt with. Lord, strip away our Uzziahs today. Strip away our idols and the things that have kept us from looking squarely into your face and allowing you to expose our hearts for the truth that's there. Lord, come and apply the cleansing of Jesus' blood to our lives. Come and uh, touch our hearts with that coal from the altar. Let the fire of God's Spirit come and purify our spirits so that we can serve you with all of our hearts, souls, minds, and strengths. And we can love you as we ought to. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said, Christ is risen and the Lord reigns. Receive this blessing from the Lord before we go today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift His countenance upon you and grant you His peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, everyone said, Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. 
We hope you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Here are some ways you can continually to financially support our church and our ministries. Our website is available at www.forestillcog.org or download our app, Forest Hill COG. Text to Give is also available by texting GIVE to 251-202-4764. Or you can mail your contributions to our campus, 5508 Moffett Road, Mobile, Alabama, 36618. Our social media sites are up and running also, Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel by searching Forest Hill COG. Once again, thanks for worshiping with us today.